HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hey there, and welcome to the Feed Feed podcast. I'm Alexa Santos, a senior producer at the Feed Feed. The Feed Feed is the world's largest crowdsourced food publication and social media community, serving as your daily source for what to cook, bake, eat, and drink. Here on the Feed Feed podcast, we are speaking with members of the hashtag Feed Feed community to hear their stories, learn about their culinary inspirations, and get some of their best cooking tips. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by Anna Voloshina, Anna is a food writer, culinary instructor, and brand new cookbook author. Her new book, Budmo, which means cheers in Ukrainian, is the first cookbook to celebrate classic Eastern European recipes with a modern creative twist. With its emphasis on fresh ingredients, time-honored heritage, and warm hospitality, Eastern European cuisine is having a culinary moment, in addition to Ukraine being of great current interest. So Anna, I'm very excited to talk to you about all things Ukrainian, Eastern European food. I am already hungry just thinking about it. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yay. So what is your background? Were you born in the Ukraine or what is kind of your your heritage there? Yeah, I was born and raised in Ukraine uh, and I spent the most part of my life there. And then at 21, I came here with my husband. He got a tech job. And um, that job brought us to Silicon Valley, and we loved it so much, we stayed here. Oh, my goodness. So what age were you when you left the Ukraine? 21. 21. Okay. So, yeah. Perfect age to come to America. (laughs) (laughs) And so what was that like growing up there? I mean, from a culinary perspective, what type of foods did you grow up eating? You know, uh, right now, I feel different about the food I was... uh, I was eating at that time just because I did not appreciate all the freshness and all the amazing variety. And right now here, I'm like, wow, I ate ate very well when I was little. Everything was basically farm to table. We shopped at local bazaar, which is a farmer's market. 
every uh, every weekend. Basically, we knew our producers. Uh, it was most of the time it was like small household who had a cow or uh, who had a couple of pigs and chickens, and they would just bring us the produce, and the quality was impeccable. Uh, it's just phenomenal how uh, it, it, everything was so cheap. Right now, it's not like that anymore. But um, yeah, I grew up surrounded by amazing food. And uh, especially the part of the country where I came from, it's the southern part. Uh, and it's a bread basket, veggie basket, and fruit Yum. basket of oh Ukraine. Well, that you definitely lucked out because that's kind of how, you know, America evolved into the type of food that we, you know, wanted to eat. When I grew up, it was all about process, nonsense, and you know, purple ketchup and, you know, candy and slime and all that type of gross stuff. And now it's all about, you know, kind of farm to table, local ingredients. And so it seems like you really came out on top with all with the food that you grew up with. Yeah, but when I was little, all I wanted to eat is just like uh, this foreign stuff, this slimy, yeah. <laughs> like uh, sour candies or whatever. Uh, I did not appreciate the freshness of uh, our local produce. Uh, now I'm wiser and I think uh, that I'm very, very grateful that I know where my food is coming from. And I know that to eat a chicken, you need to go and kill a chicken. So because my <laughs> grandma had a bunch of ducks and chickens and uh, I feel the connection with uh, with my meat and with my produce. Good. So who were you interested in cooking when you were little or who in your family was kind of cooking at home? Uh, well, I was very interested in eating, and <laughs> so I, I was so lucky because my mom and my grandma, they both are amazing cooks, and they would just throw a fist in like two, two hours, like with 12 dishes, no problem, and uh, yeah, they cooked all the time, and uh, our life basically revolved around food and like cooking food, planning what are we going to eat or shopping. <laughs> so yeah. it's just like it was a fun family activity always. And uh, yeah, they did not allow me to cook actually until really? I was about like uh, eighteen, just because they like they're very commanding in the kitchen and they're like, mm -hmm. oh, we don't need any help. So I was just allowed to arrange dumplings or do some like very <laughs> low quality jobs. Uh, so yeah, it was just like, okay, uh, we're good. We can do everything ourselves. Like they, they didn't need any help. But oh when goodness. I, yeah, when I met my husband, they just accepted me in their circle and they allowed me to cook and to do some stuff other than washing dishes or like, um, arranging napkins. <laughs> so what were your what were your favorite foods growing up in Ukraine? I love dumplings. Uh, yes. Ukrainian cuisine is uh, very much about carbs, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, we have different breads. We have berishki, uh, which are like this amazing stuffed uh, pastry, uh, fried or baked or deep fried, and they can be sweet and uh, savory, and you can stuff them basically with anything you want and they're delicious they're so pillowy and soft and to this day I could eat like 10 piroshki with cabbage and I, yes. I I will I would still feel hungry like this is the dish I cannot have enough of <laughs> and so is that would you say your specialty now or have you evolved to all different kinds of food that are your like signature dishes I really love working with dough. And right now, I think one of my signature dishes, which is not Ukrainian, it's Georgian. I think it's hachapui. 
I, when I first tried uh, this freshly baked homemade hachapuri, I like there was no going back for me. I was like, this is the dish I will uh, perfect. I will train uh, hard. I will learn everything I can and I will make this amazing hachapuri my uh, my staple dish. And now I, I teach classes on hachapuris. I make them to my for my friends and I just love 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 the whole process oh my gosh no I I know what they are but I've never made them myself is it easy to make them yourself or is it hard it's not hard at all so I have a recipe in my book and the the dough is actually very easy to put together it doesn't require any special skills and I um I kind of have this uh easy technique for shaping hachapuris because for me it was always hard to shape hard to shape this uh, perfect boat so i yeah i came up with another technique which makes it very easy and uh, i think it's it's very easy anybody can do that but just like they need to lose their fear of working with yeasted dough if they have any <laughs> okay interesting yeah i'm sure getting that shape and then for everybody who doesn't know who's listening a kachapuri is like a how would you describe it like a big boat of dough filled with cheese and butter essentially <laughs> <laughs> and, and egg yolk, yes. and egg yolk, yes. So it's very decadent. And if you've you, you might have seen them on Instagram, where you know you get like this ridiculously nice cheese pole coming out of it. So um, very very decadent. I'm very impressed that you've perfected that recipe. <laughs> I I just love hachapuri, and I make it with uh, different cheese. In my book, I decided to make like a very a simple filling, but that everybody can get no matter where they live just because uh, I feel like if I would start putting like the specialty cheeses it might scare people off and it's not always available so mm. I decided to make this uh, lovely ricotta and mozzarella uh, filling which is still very decadent but the biggest advantage is everybody can go to their local grocery store and get those two cheeses and make hachipuri at home Amazing. Yeah, no, I think I'm going to need to try that. I've never attempted it, but you're making it sound uh, very doable. So I, I'm optimistic about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you need to send me the pictures. Yes, yes, absolutely. So when you moved to the US when you were 21, what was that process kind of like for you? I'm sure a lot of adjustments, but especially with food. I mean, it sounds like from what you left to what you came to here must have been completely different, huh? Absolutely. I honestly, I was shocked at the, like my first day was not, uh, I was so tired. And my first experience with American cuisine was this gigantic slice uh, of a, a cheesecake factory cheesecake. Oh, and wow. I, I'm like, what is that? This is huge I was yeah. impressed but I could not finish it of course and yes. it, it lasted me like three days uh, <laughs> and I like okay everything is big in this country and I'm not even in Texas <laughs> so that True. was my first cultural shock and then my first trip to a grocery store uh, I saw that like pale red barely red tomatoes because we came in winter and mm. uh in say well I People took me to safe uh, to Safeway, and I'm like, yeah. "What? What is that? Why is everything so expensive? And it has very little flavor or color. Like, what's happening here?" Good question. And, uh, 
Uh, yes. And uh, I was kind of miserable for a week or two until I discovered Whole Foods and our local farmers markets. And then yeah. my life became much, much better. Good. Yeah, that's funny. They kind of hear that from your perspective because Americans have sort of started to piece that together over the years of like, you know, these ultra processed, you know, mass produced products are just not just not it. So it's, you know, it's funny to hear that from an outsider's perspective. You came and you immediately were like, what are these? These suck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's so much effort that goes into growing those tomatoes and they have no flavor and just makes me sad. Yeah, that is definitely sad. Well, I'm glad you discovered the farmer's markets and like the the bounty that is, but it's it's kind of frustrating here in America that you kind of have to search harder for those things and typically pay more for them, oh, yeah. which is a little frustrating. But I mean, hopefully things continue to get better. And, you know, yeah, what else can we do? You know? Yeah, we just need to like, we can choose with our money, like where we will, uh, when we will spend them and buy local food, buy uh, seasonal food. Fruit. Mm -hmm. It's like if the food is not in season, don't buy it because it will come from somewhere that and it will taste not as good. And just like adjust to your local seasonality and enjoy it. Embrace it, I would say. Yeah. So when did it start becoming a passion for you to develop, you know, your love of food into a career? When did that kind of happen for you? Uh, it happened um, a couple of years I spent um, like kind of adjusting to my new life. I I wrote articles for uh, Ukrainian Marie Claire magazine. I That kept me very happy and busy. But I felt like I really started to get into wine and food and uh, discovering this the whole world of that, especially with our local amazing produce and uh, Napa Valley and all of the local like olive oils. And that was totally different for me because in Ukraine, we don't have that. We don't have this amazing wine culture. We don't have uh, a variety of local oils or mustard. It's just, uh, we just got into that recently. I think the whole uh, country just like started to realize like, oh, we can make amazing goat cheese. But here it's uh, in San Francisco, it's a usual deal. Like you can go buy a sourdough and like I started eating first and then uh, I started cooking more and more because that was my love language and it still mm -hmm. is. Uh, and this is the best way for me to connect with people, just to cook something for them and invite them over. Well, and I'm well, glad it kind of panned yeah. out for you the way that it has. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so much. So yeah, I just started taking photos of food, uh, writing recipes and just the came very natural. Good. And then so when did you decide to start working on the cookbook? Because I know that's a big undertaking. I think it was always kind of a dream of mine. When I like got into food, I immediately thought, wow, that would be so great to have my own cookbook. And it took me a few years. And I think the dream became a goal uh, about three, four years ago. And I just decided to go and uh, enroll into this amazing course uh, of uh, for cookbook writing. And it was at Stanford. And I lived at that time, I lived in Menlo Park. So it was very close to me. And then I learned the whole process. I met amazing 
people who support me to this day. And it kind of like started happening. Wow. Well, there you go. <laughs> and I imagine it's been a lot of work, huh? Oh, yes. Uh, it is a long process. It's a lonely process. But still, you need to surround yourself with people who can help and who can give good advice. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. We're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. So what is kind of the, I alluded to it a little bit with your intro, but what is kind of the goal and, you know, what you're hoping that people get from your cookbook? It sounds like you kind of want to share Ukrainian cuisine with the world or what is it that you're kind of hoping for? So uh, the goal right now is a little different because we have now my country is at war and yeah. uh, the whole perspective. When I started this book, it was all about I want people to discover Ukrainian cuisine, to see how amazing it is and to fall in love with my country and just go there, go visit. Uh, I, I expected to bring more tourists into my country and <laughs> have good time and good food. And then uh, I was done with the book. And then we had uh, like horrible news that uh, Russia invaded Ukraine and then my whole country is at war. And I thought uh, now I will spend my time and effort to use this cookbook to show people that this is what, what we're fighting for. This is our culture. Our culture is different. It's beautiful. And if we will lose, we will, lo we will lose the culture we will lose our identity nothing will be there and uh, i always say that i don't want to be the recipe keeper i want to inspire people to cook those recipes and develop them develop those dishes make them their own modernize them i don't want to be that person who will in like 50 years will be the only one who remembers the recipe because nobody will remember the country of ukraine Right. And so how did the war kind of change this whole because I assume you were working on the cookbook for quite a while before that all happened. So did that kind of change things or what? How did that play out? Oh, well, it changed my perspective. Uh, now, like this book gave me a great tool um, 
for helping Ukraine. I use it to, well, first of all, my amazing publisher, Rizzoli, they right away reached out to me and they said, let's start pre-saling and we will donate 10% of all the pre-sales to uh, World Central Kitchen because I started supporting them right away because this is the organization that came to Ukraine and started helping people day one. They started mm-hmm. feeding refugees and um it was uh, heartbreaking to see, but at the same time, I was so amazed by their generosity and kindness. And uh, so that was like, we started that right away. And now I every cookbook demo, every uh, pre-sale, every, like every conversation is the opportunity to me to talk about the war in Ukraine and to raise money, get donations, raise awareness. And uh, I think this is, the whole book, I was expected, I expected it to become like my first book, first fun project. And now it's just a tool uh, to help my country. Yeah, well, I'm, that timing is interesting. And, you know, I'm glad that you were sort of able to turn it into something, you know, relatively positive. And how has it, you know, felt for you kind of with all of this I'm sure it's been crazy and obviously with you and your family and everything else going on, how has, I, I don't know, really, I, I can't think of anyone I know who's from Ukraine. So ha- what has this experience been like for you over the last, you know, several months that this has been going on? I can't even imagine. This is something that is very hard to describe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I It was a long, long half a year or like seven months already. Uh, it was, I uh, for the first couple of weeks, I was glued to my screen, uh, just watching the news and to my phone, posting and raising awareness, raising money, organizing uh, bakeathons, uh, cooking events, pop-up dinners to support Ukraine. And right. uh, that, I, like, I think I grew up <laughs> very fast. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm 32, but now I feel like I'm much wiser and stronger and i think that whole war changed our country not only uh like people but like everything all the people and their perspective on life and what's important and who's important and uh, right now i know that when my family is safe that's only (laughs) the only thing i need to know right now like that's the best news because uh going through this time of uncertainty and like being scared for their lives and uh, waiting every day to hear that your house is not there anymore. And it's just, it's crazy. And I feel now I understand what's really important in life. Yeah. Well, obviously, you know, hoping that everybody is safe and everybody's okay, but you have a lot of family out there still, right? Yes. Everybody. Like I'm here only with my husband. Everyone is there. Uh, and uh, my whole family had to just get up one day and uh, uh, move from our city just because a Russian army invaded the city and it's still under Russian occupation. So nobody uh, can go back and actually nobody can leave at this point. So my, ha- really? my family was very lucky to escape. And uh, yeah, but now they're all in Odessa, they're settled. My uh, younger sister lives there. So everybody kind of came to her and they now are together and safe. And uh, that the only thing that matters at this point. And we already like, don't, we're already okay if the house is not there. 
just because mm. it, it was so long and nobody can go back and we're like okay but we are all together so it's we will we will rebuild that's the oh our spirit right now Hey, well, you guys are all incredibly strong and, you know, it's hopefully, you know, not going to go on too much longer, but I'm glad that it seems like, have you been able to sort of find like a comfort and a solace through your food and your cookbook? Absolutely. Uh, especially when I was able to share those recipes and those stories with people and they responded and they said like, we love Ukrainian culture. We want to learn more. And uh, I, yeah, for the first couple of weeks, I couldn't eat anything but Ukrainian uh, pancakes. And we just, I just made them every day or two. And that's it. That that was our whole diet with like, maybe with jam, maybe sometimes just plain, just because we could not eat anything else. And that was the only thing that brought us comfort. And then after like a couple of weeks, uh, my mom was able to join us here in uh not not actually a couple of it was month and a half but uh in like a couple of weeks they escaped our city and then i started to eat because uh, i felt that they are safe now and i can start like actually cooking normal food and eating something nutritious i lost yeah. like five pounds that two Oof. weeks Oh, you're so stressed. I'm so sorry. Oh, that'll <laughs> well, do it. It's all better now. My mom came to visit us uh, in April and it was like cooking marathon nonstop. Oh. I gained 10. <laughs> I lost five. I gained 10. So <laughs> no worries. <laughs> That's always how it goes. That's always how it goes. Like if you get sick or, you know, something happens like that, you, you lose the weight and then you get back to normal and it levels out. But yeah, I mean, how d- does it feel kind of rewarding to you that because you know that you are able to make a relatively positive impact with just you know like you mentioned the world central kitchen and the proceeds from your book and sharing your culture and your cuisine with other people who may not know about it um is that at least rewarding for you in a sense uh yes of course it feels incredibly good and uh, honestly this whole thing just uh shifted my perspective and showed uh, how supportive our local community is. We were able to do so many fun events and so many people came to me with just one question, how I can help. And this, like, they mostly are chefs or food writers or uh, wine guys or girls. And, like, this amazing community that was uh, built around food just now helps Ukraine and that makes me so happy and I'm so honored to be a part of it and I'm like I felt like oh I did something right in my life if I could build this amazing network of people and when I needed them they just all came to help yeah well that's amazing I'm I'm glad that it sort of worked out in that way a little bit so I mean it's you gotta look at the silver linings I guess and you know I guess that's one of them for now. And I think it's very exciting that your cookbook is coming out and beyond anything else. I mean, the food all sounds delicious. It sounds like an amazing cookbook. So what are some of the, I guess, recipes in there that you're the most excited about sharing? I am very excited about borscht because I have three recipes in the book. Yeah. So I, they're all kind of different because I have green borscht and it's nothing uh, that you can typically find in a cookbook because like most of the people don't know that green borscht exists. And I was very happy to share it with people. My other borscht, like 
more like a traditional borscht, but it's vegetarian. And I uh, decided to make it vegetarian on purpose because it's not also very common in Ukraine to find vegetarian borscht. And I wanted to show that if you can add a little bit of prunes and a little bit of mushrooms and beans and make this intense, delicious broth, it will be like as good or maybe even better than uh, meat, meat borscht. And I have a cold borscht. So it's just like, uh, it makes me very happy. And especially the fact that finally borscht is recognized as the Ukrainian dish and it's uh, uh, UNESCO put it into the list of uh, um, intangible uh, heritage of Ukraine. And Really? Just, yeah, it makes me so, so happy. And uh, I'm glad I put three borscht recipes. Yes. Yeah, you're really leaning into the... Uh... So the very classic Ukrainian dishes, like very stip- very stereotypical, like you're not <laughs> you're gonna get Ukrainian food in this cookbook, which I love. Yeah, but I also wanted to make the modern and fresh and interesting. Uh, that's why I when it's very traditional recipe, I say this is traditional. Probably this is what you expect, and other dishes are completely different. And I'm like, this is my modern version, so. Uh, I hope you will like it. Uh, be brave. Don't expect it to taste uh, you think it will taste because it will surprise you. And just like go and experiment and try those. So I was, I of course, because no, not a lot of people know about Ukrainian cuisine. I right. wanted to put dishes that are our staples. But at the same time, I wanted to show that I live in California. We have this amazing produce and I'm going to add this California vibe to my cookbook. Yeah. So what's probably the number one thing that you want people to know about Ukrainian food that they maybe don't know? Uh, about Ukrainian food. You know, it, I would I would say not about Ukrainian food, but about people who make this food. People, our people love guests and they will go miles and miles to throw you the best uh, dinner If they know you're coming, they will prepare. They will put their best pickles on the table. They will uh, take their best uh, infused vodkas and you will have the best time of your life. Just this is probably the spirit of my cookbook. And I really wanted to show, show it to people that Ukrainian food is fun. It's vibrant. And as the same as our people, fun and vibrant. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. That sounds incredible. Now I'm like really in the mood for pickles and all those things. And we're getting close to the weekend. So I think it's like sort of time to start thinking about drinking and partying. So <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm gearing up now that you're talking about it. I'm very in the mood for Eastern European food now. Um, amazing. Yay. Yes. Well, was there anything else important to add about your story or your journey or your cookbook that I haven't asked you yet? Oh, well, as always, I I finished not about my book, but about Ukraine. And I want to tell that the war is still going on. It's not over. And I want people to support Ukraine, uh, keep watching the news, keep reading stories, because it's a very important issue. It's not only about Ukraine. It's all it's about the world because the war in Ukraine impacted the whole world so greatly. And right now, a lot of communities don't have enough food or cannot afford certain food just because of the war in Ukraine and the invasion that Russia started. And the whole scene is changing. We have uh, we have 
uh, this crazy prices on food right now. Yeah. So uh, just keep supporting. And if you even make one Ukrainian dish and share it with your people, that's support. I think that's very supportive. So please uh, be curious, cook Ukrainian food and support Ukraine. This is all I can say. Oh, yes. Well, we're I know I'm happy too. And I'm sure most of our listeners, most of our listeners, if not all of them are very happy to do so as well. So I appreciate you kind of being a voice for that and telling your story and, you know, making everybody aware of your perspective and everything that goes into, you know, this cookbook of yours and your platform and everything. So thank you so much for sharing all of that and being here. Thank you so much for providing me the platform for for it. And I'm I'm grateful for your time. And thank you so much for your support. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about the food and drink discovery platform that is the Feed Feed, head to thefeedfeed.com. If you have a food story to tell or want us to interview a blogger, cookbook author, chef, or restaurateur, we would love your suggestions. Just send us a DM on Instagram. See you next time. The Feed Feed Podcast is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.